Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Welcome to Mary Chilper Live. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Mary Chilper. And as we have amortized, let's start off this with just a brief discussion of three steps to really understand your wife. Now, you might be thinking, what about three steps to understand my husband? Well, we can do that on a later date, but right now, you do realize there's a difference in the way that men and women think in general. Now, it can get more complicated than that because the way people think, the way they react, the way they feel actually also depends not just on gender, but on different personality types and those kinds of things. But that becomes too complicated for what we can discuss here. So let's just wait. Gentlemen, if you really want to understand your wife better than you do now, or women, if you want your husband to better understand you than the way he does now, these are the three steps that men need to do. Now, a word of caution here, ladies, if you think I'm going to teach them these three things afterwards, so I'm going to jot them down. While that's a noble idea, may not be the best way to do it. It may be better that when you find this video on YouTube later that you refer him back to that so another guy's telling him rather than you. Because you've had that experience where that sometimes you have told him something over and over and over again, and then he hears it from somebody else and he looks at you and goes, wow, that's brilliant. I wish we'd have thought of that before. And you're thinking, I told you that a thousand times and you never heard it. To which he'll reply, no, I never heard you say it once. Sometimes people just hear things better from other people. Now, we could get into the psychology of that, but we don't have time today. So what are the three things? Gentlemen, if you really want to understand your wife, you must be attuned to what she's doing that can indicate what she's thinking or feeling. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not indicating here that what you have to do is just be all spending all of your life, all of the time, watching your wife, trying to figure out what's happening next. That would be miserable for both of you. But instead, attuned enough that you can see signs, and often these signs are very obvious. If she has been, for example, very talkative, and now all of a sudden she's very quiet, something's going on. Or just the opposite. If she's been very quiet, but now she's talkative, but it doesn't really make sense to you what she's talking about or why she's so interested in it. In other words, you're looking for something that's different than normal. And when you see that, begin to be aware of the fact that, wait a minute, something's going on here that's different. Something has changed. It doesn't mean necessarily that it's a terrible thing. It could actually be a good thing, but be attuned enough, attuned enough to know that something has changed. And then the second part is when you see that, try your best to understand it without aggravating her in the process. You say, what do you mean? Perhaps on occasion you've seen your wife and you can tell that she's upset about something. And so you just say, what's the matter? And she looks at you and says, nothing. And then if you are like, ah, on occasions when my wife has done that, what I've done is I've persisted and I can see that something's the matter. Why don't you go ahead now and tell me what's the matter so we can deal with it now? Because if you don't, we're going to wind up arguing over it for three hours and then you're going to tell me. So tell me now.
in that moment. If you're making that offer, then stay around until such time as she's ready to explain to you. And so the first step is you must notice that something's different. The second step is make it convenient for her to tell you what it is. And it may take a little while. Women differ on this. And the third thing is this. If you then finally understand what it is, do not try to do for her something she does not want you to do. In other words, once you understand what it is that she's looking for, whatever need that she has, don't think in terms of what you think you need to give her or do for her. Think in terms of what is it she needs right now. The classic example of that is, let's say your wife comes home from the grocery store and she's really upset because the checkout lady was rude to her in some fashion. Now, the typical husband response is, well, now this is what you should have done. That's not the right answer because it's not understanding her need. Or I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just drive down there right now and fix this. And that's not what she's needing either. If you pay attention and you understand her pain, the first thing you always do is get on her side of the table. Wow, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that you experienced that pain. I'm here for you. Is there anything that you would like me to do to help you? And probably in a situation like I've just described, there's not going to be. She's going to say, no, I I just want you to understand. And that's what it is. She just wants you to be empathetic. She wants you to be on her side. Like, boy, I'm with you. She'd have never, she should have never treated you that way. If that's all she needs, then that's all you get. And you don't try to step over and become her dad or her mentor or her bodyguard when she doesn't need one. At that point, you just become the person who listens. Now realize went through these really quickly, but make sure you heard them. Number one, be attuned enough to your wife to know when something is different. Number two, when you see that gently without pushing, try to find out what it is, but understand that rather than you guessing, you really need for her to tell you, but don't push her to tell you when she's not ready. Just let her know that you're there and ready to hear whenever she's ready to talk. And number three, when you do finally understand it, don't go into fix-it mode. Don't go into rescue mode. Very carefully understand what it is she really needs from you. And if all she needs is a, you poor baby, I can't believe that happened, then that's all you give her. If she wants more, then you do more. Now, our CEO, Kimberly Holmes, is here, and you were joking before we went on the air <laughs> about the three that you would be giving husbands. So let's just go ahead and say what those are. I did. So the first one I said would be listen, which goes right along with that last one that you were saying, mm-hmm. which is we're not always looking for the fix it, the answer, whatever. We really do a lot of the times just want to hear the, the empathy of it right? We want you Mm -hmm. to just empathize with us, not try and step in and fix it. The second one is stop getting man colds. Just stop. (laughs) Can't (laughs) handle it. I saw a candle. We were, my husband and I were in Asheville this weekend and I saw this candle and the scent was man cold. And it said that it was infused with helplessness. And I thought this is what women everywhere need, especially during the winter months. Um, and, and are you, of course, saying, are you but, saying that men don't handle minor illnesses very well? Oh, my goodness. You're citing death wishes and wills at the sniffles. It's ridiculous. Now, now just because of the fact that your husband, Rob, reacts that way, do you think that that's going to be generically applied to all men? Most men, yes. Well, there are a few memes about it. <laughs> so many memes. You know it's true. And the third one I said is, Try and live a day in her shoes, which because we're talking about understanding your wife. I think 
for Rob to really understand what goes through my mind, the things I'm feeling, if he would live, and of course this is impossible, but if he could live one day in my shoes and see what it's like and see the things that I deal with, the way that I process it from my past and my perspective, it would add a whole new level of understanding and vice versa. If I were able to switch bodies with him for a day, it would be amazing. We can't do that. But the things that you were just talking about help us to be able to. We understand that there's a past and a way that people filter things and things that um, trigger them, so to say, from hurts that they've experienced in the past that make them more vulnerable to things hurting them more now. I mean, all of these play into when something goes wrong or when things are going right and you really understand what's happening. So there's so much we could dive into with that. Mm -hmm. We're just scratching. This turns under the general heading of what's called emotional intelligence. So we're Mm -hmm. not going to get into here because it gets pretty complicated, Mm -hmm. but emotional intelligence starts with you. First of all, understanding your own emotions, Mm -hmm. because if I'm not attuned to my own emotions, if I'm just blowing them off, ignoring them, not paying attention to them, then it's highly unlikely I'm going to pay attention to my spouse's moods Mm -hmm. and her emotions and the way she reacts to things. Mm-hmm. And so it's a much more complicated subject than what we're discussing here. Mm-hmm. But these three points we made mm-hmm. are applicable. Mm-hmm. They're valid and they work if you choose to use them. Now, they're not always easy. Really, as simple as they sound, they're not always easy because sometimes your emotions are involved, her emotions are involved. But if you learn to think and do like this, life gets better. Sure does. Speaking of those memes about men getting sick, I remember seeing one where she said, my husband and I both have a cold. The difference is that I'm in here doing the dishes and he's in the living room dying. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. I saw another one that said, when men, when God saw how men handled colds, he decided women should have the babies. That's pretty good. I love to look at memes because I love humor. And let's go to our calls now. If you want to speak to us on the program and talk about things, feel free to call us. Our telephone number is 657 3830812. That's 6573830812. Now, if you just want to listen onto your phone, then just dial that number and when you hear the answer, just keep listening. If you wish to speak with us, when you hear the answer, you press the number one, which takes you to one of our call screeners, and then that hopefully leads you to getting on the air with us. Now, since we had that glitch with blog talk radio just a minute ago. Let's see if we actually have gotten somebody on the air with us now. I think we will. Okay, we'll see. This is Karina in Oregon. Hi, Karina. Are you there? Yeah, hi. Hi, Jovine. Did I I pronounce your name correctly? That's right, Karina. Okay, good. How may we help you today? So um, uh, my question is I just went to um, California where I used to live with my partner um, mm-hmm. I moved up here to Oregon when he was having an affair, hmm. and then a year later he followed me. He moved up here with me. He put mm-hmm. all our stuff in storage, and um, he he wanted to be back with his family. So we have a um, 13 year old boy together, mm-hmm. um, and I just was recently in California. And I got, I went to our storage, I got all our stuff out of storage, and I found a bag that had crystals and cards and different things, a little journal, different things that were all um, given, gifts given back and forth. Mm-hmm. And between her, between him and the other person or between him and you? Be, between him and the other person, 
Yeah. Okay. There was other, I mean, there was nice things between him and me as well, which I'm not okay. worried about those things. But, um, but the, I'm just wondering, I have the bag. I got home a couple of days ago and the bag is still stuffed under my seat in my truck because mm. I just, I didn't know on the way I was tempted to throw it out. And, mm-hmm. and, and I just, I wasn't sure. I was just looking for advice maybe of what, I should do about the bag of gifts and cards and all that. Mm-hmm. May I ask you a question? What what value yeah. is there to what value is there to anyone, including you, for you to keep those things? Yeah. No value. No. Va- the mm-hmm. only thing I guess I could think is that he. I didn't want him to find out I I threw them away and then feel like I was doing something controlling. I see. But, and so. You're not keeping them so that you can remind yourself that he was unfaithful to you. No. That's not part of your motivation. You're not you're not keeping no. them so that occasionally you can get mad at him all over again. No. Okay. So the no. only reason now I'm asking you, so be really honest. The only reason you're keeping them mm-hmm. is because you discovered them without his being aware you discovered them and you're afraid if you destroy them then he's gonna get angry. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So why haven't you told them that you found them? Um, then I just, hmm. I haven't told them I found them because I guess I still am tempted to throw them away and just not mm-hmm. talk about it and not think about it. And because if we, because if, if I tell them that, I guess it is controlling in a way because I, I I feel like if he sees that he has these things, maybe he'll want to keep them, and then and then they'll be mm-hmm. in my house. That's why okay. I'm worried. And so, right. So, the, the, among the big decisions here, the first one is: should I tell yeah. him I have them or not? Okay. And the mm-hmm. and the other decision is: if I decide not to tell him, do I throw them away or do I keep them in some safe place? If you do tell yeah. him, then you're going to leave it up to him as to what he does. So how well are you two doing right now, Karina? Well, um, I was away for two weeks, and, and during the time, he was he's very sweet to me on the phone mm-hmm. and, and missed me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's – I think he's still – I've listened to your talks a lot, and, and mm-hmm. I think he's still going through a little bit of um, withdrawal or, mm-hmm. and a little depression. So sometimes mm-hmm. it sometimes he feels a little distant or aloof, you mm-hmm. know. But we're That's we're still together. We're we we are um you know, we're living together and we're making mm-hmm. the best of it. Mm-hmm. Um, doing pretty good okay. I guess. Yeah. Well, if you choose to throw them away, obviously and at some point, if he ever goes looking for them, if that's a big if, if he ever goes looking for them and can't find them, he won't know what happened to them. At that point, he might mm-hmm. ask you, did you find those things? Did you throw them away? And then you have another mm-hmm. decision. Do you lie or do you tell him the truth? You see, my mm-hmm. opinion is the simpler you can make things, the better off you'll be. Because the more complicated they become, the more potentials for messing up something big time somewhere. Now, I can't tell you what to do. Obviously, you make your own decision, mm-hmm. but here is my suggestion. I would suggest, mm-hmm. by the way, did you find them because you were snooping or you were just going through some regular stuff and found them? 
Um, no, I was going through regular stuff. I was. He actually asked me to go to the storage unit and bring back. You know, okay. uh, I have a truck, so I loaded up the truck, and that was just a month. So it's not going to be like I went behind your back. It's not, that's not going to be the case no. here. The case is he knew you were looking. Then here's my suggestion. Again, Corinna, you have to decide for yourself, but my suggestion is this. When it's a comfortable, convenient time, I mean, not when you're having to do with kids or when television's on and you're watching some program that you like, none of that. When it's just the two of you, okay. you can actually have a really good talk. You know, in other words, you can get each yeah. other's attention. I suggest you look at him. By the way, while I was cleaning out the storage that you asked me to go do, I found these things. And I know that yeah. they're related to her. And I would appreciate yeah. it very much if if we could do away with them because their existence causes me pain. Now, if you do okay. that, then then you're direct, you're upfront, you let him know how you found them, that you weren't snooping, you weren't prying. And, and you say, yeah. you know, they're painful to me. I would like to do away with them. Can, let's let's do that. If he agrees, then you've made a major step in the right direction because it's like, wow, he doesn't even want remembrances of her. By the way, if he yeah. hesitates, if he hesitates a little before he agrees, don't panic. Mm-hmm. That could still be part of that grief process, and so don't let that upset you. A hesitancy here okay. does not mean anything significant. Trust me. Okay, it just means okay. he's being he's being human. Now, if he were to say no, I want to keep those things, then you need to know that anyway, so that you can have a very deep okay. conversation with him. And that deep conversation would be, well, since you're committing to me, I need to understand why mm-hmm. you feel that you need them there, and I also need you to understand that their very existence, the fact that you hang on to them, hurts me because now I'm wondering who are you really choosing. Now, you don't attack okay. because attacking always makes people defensive. Therefore, you be honest and open about what you feel about your emotions. And the fact that he wants to be with you indicates to me that probably what's going to happen, I don't know for sure, but probably what's going to happen is that he'll say, let's destroy them. And then you're going to feel really good about that because he made a clear cut choice to, that he doesn't want anything left to do with her. But understand, there is a risk in this. The risk might be that he says, no, I want to keep them. And if that happens, you've really mm-hmm. got to talk about them. But it still seems to me that the simple direct approach, without being angry, without yelling, without being accusatory, that the, that the simple, honest, truthful approach has so many more opportunities for good things to happen. Whereas if you try to do anything else, there's so many more opportunities for something bad to happen. Would you agree with that? Kimberly? Okay. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. If it were me, I'd probably throw them away and not ever say anything. But I think the advice that you gave is spot on. And the fact that Karina's asking about it is, is it shows that her heart's in a really good place as well. So, perfect. Okay. All right. So, now we're going to move over to uh, Lana in Alaska. So, we're going from Oregon. We're going to the Northwest this time. And now further flight. Northwest. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lana, how are you today? Good. Good. How may we help you? Um, <clears throat> well, I've never done this before, so this is a little uh, nerve-wracking. So I was in a relationship with someone f- for five years, and um, mm-hmm. I have a couple of kids from prior marriage. And we lived together for four years, and there are a lot of feelings. But um, I feel like I pushed the person away because I've allowed my insecurities to uh, sometimes um, overtake me, and I acted out and not in the nicest what- way. What did you do, Lana, when you say you have um, So when his job took him away for months at a time, you know, I would feel uh, like he didn't care or I felt unloved. And so I would say things like, well, 
maybe we should just break up. I will start packing your things. So I've done something as bad as that. Um, and so, um, so anyway, when I did it last time, he actually has had enough and he left. And I guess I'm trying to figure out, I've, there is a lot of information everywhere about, you know, if you work on yourself and then you show your changes and you can still reconcile, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just wondering, how do I show the changes to the person who feels like he had to make a decision and stick by it and who um, ended up leaving the state and, you know, going back to where he's from originally? And, you know, when there's so much distance and so much time has gone by, um, you know, is there any possibility to... So we've been apart for a year. We've been in contact mostly because I reach out, but uh, mm-hmm. it's been a year. And when you reach out and contact him, how does he reply? Very politely. Um, he he tries to be very nice, but it's you know you it's often just kind of like yeah I'm fine or um, I mean he he's been pretty clear about moving on just because he doesn't believe that our relationship could be healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have done a lot of work. Um, I've been mm-hmm. counseling, reading, listening to your podcasts. I've done some, mm-hmm. I've listened to some coaches. I've invested in um, Mort Fertel's marriage fitness program. I feel like this has been an eye-opening experience for me, mm-hmm. and I feel like it pushed me to learn a lot. Um, yeah, but um, you know, most most often it's me who reaches out. Um, okay, and so his responses have demonstrate no emotion one way or the other. No, he feels bad. I think because you know we were together a long time. My kids miss him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I feel like he is, you know, he did have to make a decision. He had to make a, you know, he moved. Um, you know, it's a big thing, and so mm-hmm. I feel like he's just really sticking to it and not open to the possibility. You know, who would want to take a chance again and for things to not work out again? It's like wasting life away on trying type well, of thing. Well, it could feel that way, without a doubt. And, and uh, he's been gone for a year, and he's a long way away from you from what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, well, he works. Uh, his summer job takes him away, so every summer when we were together, he would be gone for quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, two, three weeks at a time. Um, so being apart is not as – I think because of that, it doesn't feel like it's been that long to me. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. as as of, as of now, he's traveling back to his home state, which is across and, country. And that's a, long way from, that's a long way from where you live is what I'm saying, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. Anything's pretty far from Alaska, so. Oh, we moving to another state in Alaska. I guess I guess <laughs> yeah, it's going right. to be a distance no matter what. It's a difficult thing. Well, Kimberly, Kimberly is our resident expert on what we call pies: physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. <clears throat> and when people change in those ways, we hope that the other person sees. But admittedly, and you understand this, that when there is no access to the other person other than perfunctory phone calls, mm-hmm. where he's being polite but disengaged then you're being able to demonstrate that then comes down to potentially demonstrating it only through people who are mutual. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, if there are people who know you that are around you that see you and people who also are in contact with him, the same people, then as you demonstrate the pies, because when, and I'll get Kimberly just in a second to go through them again to make sure that all of our audience understands what we mean when we say pies. But when you go through the pies, you go through them for you, not the other person. 
Because if you're doing it for the other person, if he or she's not responding like you expect them to, then you'll stop doing them. But if you're doing them for yourself, and again, Kimberly will explain in a moment what they are. If you're doing them for yourself, and if there are any mutual people, people that see you, people that are around you, people that have actual exposure to you, not just a phone call because they live down in Ohio. I mean, people that actually have experience around you that also, for whatever reason, have contact with around him, then what can happen is as you work on the pies, it actually becomes part of conversation. At least it hopefully does. That whenever they're talking to him, they're saying things such as, wow, uh, you should see how Lana has changed. She's pretty, even prettier than she was before. Physical. Now, physical is not just about beauty, so I need to clarify that. She's in better shape than she's ever been. Actually, be a better way to say that. Mm-hmm. And and she is just fun to be around now. As a matter of fact, she's become more sensitive. That's what we come under the E, the emotional. Mm-hmm. And when those kinds of things can come secondhand. Now, we had a guy contact our office not long ago and say, well, Dr. Bean said I should find somebody and program them to tell my, my ex that. No. Did they really? <laughs> they really did. They're getting it mixed up with other stupid advice on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> because I have never said go find somebody and program no. him or her to tell the other person That's gonna because backfire. That, and it did and there mm-hmm. goes they said why did Dr. Beam say to do that when they backfired <laughs> well because I've never didn't. ever said that it's it's not smart it right. does not make sense no and so the way that it's going to work if it works at all, and you understand the situation you're in is difficult, mm-hmm. it may not work. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to give any false promises. Unlike um, some other people out there who, if you do this and you do that, I'll guarantee you that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will we'll always tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. And so it does become a very difficult situation where that this may not work. And so quickly, if you will, just identify the pies again so that people who are new to that will understand what we're talking about. Sure. The pies are what um, Joe and I used to talk about, the four areas of attraction, which are physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. Because most people only think about that physical aspect. But in fact, it's not the most important part of attraction. There's so many things that that go with that. We have a video on YouTube about it that you can go to and find that I talk more about the pies in depth there and get more information there. But you do the pies first and foremost for you. You do it because it makes you the best person that you can be in all of those areas. And so that's why you do it. The secondary benefit is for it to attract your spouse back or attract someone to you or whatever that might be. That's a secondary benefit. That's not the focus. That's not the reason. That's not the why behind it. Your why should always be because you want to do it to make yourself the best version of you that you can be. And in that way, you can't let yourself down. You always win when that's your focus. Okay, so becoming the best you can be physically, mm-hmm. intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, right. that pretty well covers life. And so pretty becoming much. the best that you can be, period. And hopefully when that happens, the other person, in your case, if he hears about it, mm-hmm. because you can't call him up and tell him, this is what I'm doing. Right. If he hears about it, then hopefully it becomes attractive where he potentially comes back to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any magic pill, no. any magic words to say. I, I really don't. But um, there's also a thing we talk about, but it seems like you're probably doing it called smart contact and as opposed to Mort, for example, who will uh, often encourage people to call every day, even if the other person responds negatively, that you continue to contact them. Uh, we have seen that backfire again and again and again and again. And so we talk about smart contact, which is where you have contact that makes sense, but you don't continue any kind of contact that pushes the other person away. And so let's just illustrate that one more time. 
In a relationship, when a person leaves a relationship, they leave typically for one of two things. And this is big generic things here. Either the other person is pushing them out of the relationship, whether they realize that's what they're doing or not. They're pushing them out of the relationship or there's something out there that is drawing them outside the relationship. And so if you're pushing them outside the relationship and, and uh, she was very honest to say, I would say things when things aren't going well, like maybe we just don't need to be together. Maybe we need to split up. If you look at the research on that, the very first time that one of you mentions a divorce, the very mm-hmm. first time that one of you mentions we should not be together, mm-hmm. it actually weakens the relationship immediately because it starts putting the thought in the other person's mind, well, maybe we should. And the right. more that people talk about, the more they talk about we shouldn't be together, perhaps we should just end this thing, then the less strength there is in holding you together mm. because more and more you're, you've planted those doubts. And I'm not trying to beat you up a lot. I'm really not. I mean, I realize you didn't understand the effect of all that you were doing, but for everybody else out there, understand when you start mentioning those things, you actually start planting seeds for that to happen. And that becomes a big push. Then if there's a pull out here, if the push here is big, the pull doesn't have to be very strong. Now, if, if things here are really good and they get pulled out of a marriage just because of a really strong pull out there, if you want to ask more questions about that, we'd be glad to explain it. But in a relationship, it's relationships are tough no matter what. So do the best you can to keep them together. And I hope that if you practice these things we're talking about, I really true, truly hope that at some point the word would get back to him and that that becomes a good thing. It's just that you know that the odds of that happening are not nearly as strong as if you were still living in the house with you. You understand, right? Can you summarize all I just said? Because I just rambled a little bit. Rewind and listen again. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we, we do the pies for us. We do all of those things to make us the best that we can be. But there's going to be times in relationships where a person might not stay the way we want them to. They might leave, they might move, whatever that might be. We can't try and manipulate or control them to come back. It never works. Really, the only thing we can do is continue to focus on ourselves and be aware of the things that we did that caused to the breakdown of the relationship and not do those things as we continue to move forward in hopes that if they come back, then you're already doing the work to make the relationship work. Someone asked me this on a webinar the other day. They said, why should I be the one to make any changes when my spouse is the one who wants the divorce? And I think that that is the mindset that ends up to the, to so many divorces happening. Mm-hmm. They're the problem. They're the ones who need to change. And if they would change, then our marriage would work. Here is the truth. This is exactly what I said on the webinar. You're not a perfect spouse. I'm not a perfect spouse. And I teach this stuff like I, I still go home and screw it up. The thing that we have to realize is none of us are perfect. And if I'm the one right now who is willing, then why wouldn't I do what I can to make the changes, to do what works, to make a healthy relationship regardless in hopes that it's going to make the marriage work. That is what ends up bringing, making marriages stronger. Right. And we're not talking about what's fair. Like, well, he or she's the one leasing, leaving, they ought to do the changing. We're just talking no. about if you want to help save the relationship, if you want to do the things that are more likely to save the relationship, right. then the only person you can control is you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why right. you do it, whether it feels fair or not. That's right. So from Alaska, we're going all the way down to Texas. Hi, John. How are you today? Hi, good, doing well. How are you? Fine. Thank you. How may we help you? Okay. 
Well, uh, I'm going to try to give the Cliff Notes version. Um, as of right now, me and my wife has been uh, separated, living in different homes for three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. What caused it was uh, I came clean to her. I was lying. Um, I went to medical school when we were, like, you know, while we were getting – we got married. I had two years left in medical school. I failed my boards. Um, I told her I got a residency that I didn't, and mm-hmm. I came clean to her telling her I did not get this residency, you know. So it's four years of – lying to her about our future or my job, you know, what was going on with me because I, I don't know, my own fears and reasons, I guess. I'm, uh, I started a therapy. I have a therapist. Uh, she went and saw him one time. And then after that, you know, this was last week, she said that, you know, I don't, she's like, I can't ever trust you again. You know, I know I can't, but you know, I just need separation right now. So what I told her, you know, I said, right, tell me what you need. I'm going to give it to you. And um, the pies, like I do the pies. Um, I'm obviously during that time I got pretty far from God. I'm, I'm religious. Now I'm re- closer to God. My health is better. I also have like a chronic back issue, which is actually getting resolved. I'm getting a disc replacement in three weeks. Um, but my, I guess my question is, is the best course of action to like re- rebuilding that trust. I know it's going to take a lot of time especially since, like, right now she does feel and thinks she'll never be able to trust again. If I may ask you a question, I'll make sure I got this right. You you deceived her for four years? Is that what I heard? Four years, yes. So did she think that you were in residency that whole time, or did she think you were going to start residency in four years? No. She, she thought I was in residency, but, like, I had this back issue, so I would, like, you know, the back issue is real, you know, like, and I haven't, I, you know, it's crazy to say this, but there were no other lies about our lives except for that part of, like, my career, which is huge. Like, I'm not downplaying it. I take real full responsibility for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've had two children in that time, and, like, when I found, like, when I failed the board the first time, like, my daughter was born a few months ago, you know, and I just, I couldn't, I don't know, I just failed as a person and failed, you know, as a man there, and like I said, um, yeah, she she still like as far as our communication right now, I guess it's good considering because you know we have our children. You know, I take care I take care of them almost every day. Uh, we exchange them at, at night. She still tells me, you know, she loves me and good night. Uh, mm-hmm. You can understand. Yeah. You you certainly <laughs> can understand that if a person has been lied to for four years. And, and they have yep. bought that line, believe that line, et cetera. You can understand how that, that she would probably not trust anything. Like if you could get away right. with that and you've gotten away with that for so long, then that makes you an excellent liar. I mean, it means you're really, really good at what right. you do. And therefore, why should I trust you whether you went to the grocery store? Why should I trust you? You do understand what's happening on her side, right? Oh, I- Yes, I completely, okay. yes. I, I, that's why, like, I'm trying to, like, anything you need, like, if you need to say, like, I, I just want to give her everything that she needs because I, you know, I, <laughs> what I did was ridiculous. So. Well, I'm not going to downplay yes, it one bit. Okay. We, we won't downplay it. I understand. I can actually understand even the psychology behind it. But obviously, as you know, it was a really, really bad thing to do. And and you've okay. already stated something that's crucial here. This didn't happen overnight. This happened over a long period of time. Therefore, redeveloping trust is not going to happen overnight. I mean, to get past that is not going to happen in a week or a month. It's going to take a while. Right. 
And, and so the only thing that I know how to recommend, and we'll get Kimberly's view on this, the only thing that I know how to recommend, my friend, is absolute, ultimate, and complete truthfulness about everything from this point on, period. And I would suggest that when you're talking to her, saying something like, well, that was the only lie, I wouldn't say that if I were you. Because if you say right. that, it almost sounds as if you're making some kind of a justification. Or I lied to you right. because this. That still sounds like you're making some kind of a justification. And when and what people want to hear is not anything that sounds like you're justifying what you did. What they want to hear is, is total penitence, if you'll let me use that word. That, that huh. you're truly sorry about what you did. There is no justification. And so be very, very careful. I would recommend, John, mm-hmm. very careful in saying anything that even sounds like it's even the mildest justification for what you did. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand in your mind, you know why you did it. I get that. But trying to communicate that to her is not going to be like, oh, well, if that's why you did it, that's okay. Right. It's not going to work that way. Right. It's going to be like, oh, oh you're um, not taking full responsibility for your actions. And I would even encourage you, just thinking from her perspective right now, there's a lot. She's probably in shock. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be a process for her to even really understand everything this means and what has happened. Mm-hmm. And so don't push her during that time to try and make any decisions or do anything big. She needs time to process and let that happen. But as, you know, as that happens, if she has questions, just like Joe said, you being open and honest, I mean, overly at this point, as bad as might sound, I don't think you could do much to make it worse. I mean, at this point, if you're scared of, well, if I tell her the truth about that, then what is she going to think? No, just tell her the truth. That's what she's wanting. And even in the sense of, you know, thinking about the fear that, that women have, um, you know, does she feel safe financially? Is she being provided for? Is that something that she's worrying about? So I would also try and foresee some of those things, even if she's angry, if she, even if she doesn't want to be around you and try my best to do my part in, you know, how can I make sure she feels secure in other areas without pushing her, but just doing what I can to provide for her right now. Right. And, and let me explain something here. When Kimberly said you could make it much worse, what she's saying is by telling the truth. But right. Any lie, no matter mm-hmm. how minor, would definitely make it worse at this point. Right. When she asks for the truth, because there's a whole, you know, at our workshop, we talk a lot about when do you tell the truth, when, you know, if they ask all this kind of stuff, which we're not going to go into now, it's not the time or place. But right. What I'm saying about that is I would not fear answering the questions truthfully in case, you know, well, if I tell her the truth about this, she's going to get mad about the truth. She needs the truth. Exactly. That's what she needs. But even the slightest line, how can make this worse? Mm-hmm. My friend, you're in this for the long haul. I know that you love your wife. I know that you love your children. I believe that all together. Uh, you know that you made a terrible era of judgment there, but just be patient and be very truthful. And if she truly does love you, there is a potential. Mm-hmm. A potential that you can get past this, but it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And there's no magic fast way to do this. Mm-hmm. Staying in the state of Texas, we're going to go over now to Daniel. Hi, Daniel. How may we help you today? Hey, how are you doing this afternoon? We're doing well. Um, so, you know, we kind of saw this coming down the road like the last two or three years and arguing a lot. Um, and I caught her having an affair. Um, hmm. Our son was, you know, graduated in May, <clears throat> and then um, he moved into an apartment in July, and or the, in, in August. But 
we I had a feeling something was going on. Had you know the whole your gut's telling you there's something going on. The phone was chiming at night, and that's how I found out about Tinder. So, mm-hmm. but um, caught her at the motel, and you know I forgave her right away. You know I was I was hurt. I was in shock, but we were arguing. You know, and and I had a bad temper. You know, and I would call her things, yell at her, and she'd do it right back to me. And so mm-hmm. it was, you know, that I I take ownership for treating her like a butt. Uh, and I did. And, um, but, um, she ended up moving out August 20th and we were still kind of communicating and we still are now. Um, my question is, how do I know if, if this is repairable or not? Um, she, she still reaches out for me for, for financial help, which I, you know, I definitely still help her when she needs it. Um, and then she'll call me when she's kind of, you know, when it's the pressure of having to work two jobs now to make ends meet. Um, when our son doesn't want to hang out with her because he's kind of bitter towards his mom. Um, mm-hmm. And she'll call out to me and break down to me. And and then, like, with, with her part-time job, it's at a um, Kohl's, and she gave me the spousal discount card, you know, when she didn't have mm-hmm. to do that. So How just, long did you say that y'all have been separated? Um, since August 20th. And, um, so three months. I, I just... Yeah, three months, you know, and, and I told her I'm not getting a divorce. You know, I told her I'm not going to file. If you really want it, you file. And, you know, and I've been trying to work on my pies and smart contact mm-hmm. and, and she, so, you know. and So when did you stop saying the mean, angry things to her? At what point? July 14th. Okay. So why did she move out in August if you stopped doing that in July? What was because the motivation just, for her to move? She said she needed space away from me. She said that being around the house um, was too much pressure on her, and she didn't like seeing me upset. And okay, I, so honestly, you've continued, you've continued to be upset through August, and you were still either by facial expressions or, or tone of voice or something. Even if you stopped doing the right. things, were you still indicating to her how upset with you with her that you were up until the time she moved out? Is that the case? Well, I wasn't showing her I was upset towards her. I was upset that she wanted a separation. You know, I was showing right. like, um, you know, instead of being more, you know, okay with it, I was more, you know, almost begging her. And and I know I, I watched a couple of your videos, and that was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it made matters worse, and that's why she decided to get an apartment and move out because she didn't want to be around the emotional me. Not the angry me, but the emotional me breaking down, crying, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. begging her. So, mm-hmm. so, so that's where we're like at that now. now. No, not like right now. now. Um, yeah. No, um, I've lost, I mean, the, the physical part, you know, intellectual, you know, emotional and spiritual. I've started going back to church. I've lost, you know, over 30 pounds. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very careful how I speak with her and not speak at her. And I'm mm-hmm. really making an effort to try to you know, entice her back, you know, and, and show her that I'm a changed person. But it just yeah. feels like it's a pull, like she'll she'll give me a little, then pull back. And I do have mm-hmm. a feeling that she is dating somebody. Um, and that that's the part that hurts me, that she'll give me a little, then she'll pull back. She'll give me a little, then she'll pull back. And on the weekends especially, you know, there's no calls from her on the weekends. But on the weekdays, she'll... You know, she'll, you know, send me a text message and, you know, like six, seven o'clock at night. But on the weekends, there's no contact. And that's why and I feel like you knew, she's... If you knew for a fact that she is indeed dating on the weekends or seeing somebody, whatever, if you knew that for a fact, how would that change what you do, my friend? 
It wouldn't. I mean, honestly, I don't know. it wouldn't. I mean, I'm, okay. I love my wife, you know, and I just, like I told her when everything happened, if, if I would have known then what would have happened, I, I would have worked on our marriage like I'm trying to work on a marriage now. I just mm-hmm. never expected it to happen like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many years have you been married? Uh, 12 years. We've known each other for 22 okay. years, um, but we were married for 12 and like I said, it's just, you know, it. these last five, six years, there's a lot of arguing, a lot of, um, you know, I caught her lying about overspending and, and you know, just it, it, she got us in the financial bind several times. And finally, I took over all the bills and stuff. And, and she felt like she was um, she didn't have any control. And that's one of the things right. she told me when I caught her that day. She has no control on the bills, on the phone, on anything. And I and. I told her, instead of thinking about it and shutting my mouth, I said, well, you wanted me to do this so we wouldn't be evicted. And and then that's when, you know, I, after For then so I realized I was going to shut my mouth. Right. Right. And you said you have a son. Is the son in your custody most of the time, or are you half and half? And I, you know, he's he's a college son. He's, he's a freshman in college. Oh, he's, she, that's right. You know, he graduated. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and then she did say that she waited until he graduated to do this. And, and he's very – he's only been to her apartment – once for a couple of hours and he doesn't want to hang out there doesn't want to talk to her he's and he only did that as a favor to me because she's really upset that she won't ha- he won't hang out with her okay mm. when people feel controlled or dominated that's the second biggest thing we see uh, when it comes to our workshops work marriages in crisis people that come to our workshop the the most common thing that we see as you would probably guess would be infidelity the second biggest thing we see is when a spouse feels controlled or dominated like i can't function like an adult because of the fact that i'm watched financially i'm watched this way i'm watched this way or that way the other way okay she she uh, came to use the word dangerous spiral. So it sounds like that over the last few years that she's gotten into more and more kinds of things. Now I'm not trying to put your wife down. Don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to put her down. I'm trying to help you understand that if you're going to put this back together, and I do believe you love her, that it seems as if this this tie is not completely broken because of the fact that she's so communicating with you when she's upset. Mm-hmm. Now if she were just communicating to you when she needed money then we would say, okay, that, that doesn't mean much of anything other than the fact that she needs money. But I heard you say that she communicates to you when she's upset about this or upset about that, which means that she still has some degree of respect for you. She still has some degree of emotional connection with you, mm-hmm. and she's looking for you to help. Now, that's a good sign. That means a possibility exists. I would recommend, my friend, that you be very careful to examine your life to see if you're coming across as controlling in any other fashion. Now, it sounds as if you've done a lot of really good self-analysis. It's done, it sounds as if you've done a whole lot to make things better, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. But understand that if she's been doing these things five or six years, mm-hmm. I understand the affair came at the end. But if she's been doing these things for five or six years, this is not the kind of thing you're going to fix in five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to evolve past those things. Mm-hmm. You probably, I don't know what she's doing on the weekends, obviously. I mean, how could I? But you probably need to go ahead and do some self-analysis about how am I going to react if, if I were to discover that she really is dating other people on the weekend. Am I really going to be able to handle that or not? Because prepare yourself for that. I'm not saying it's happened. 
but you've said it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Then in these conversations that you have, remember the conversations that are made face to face come off a whole lot better than are done by text or even done by telephone. Mm-hmm. Now, if you try to force that to happen, you're going to come across as even more controlling. But if you were to offer that, like when she texts you, I'm upset about this, I'm upset about that, I'm bothered about this, I need to talk to you. One of my recommendations would be you say, I'm happy to talk to you. She'll care very deeply about you. Uh, Tell you what, can't do it right now. Let's meet over at the coffee shop uh, at 2 o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever it might be. And and uh, if you don't have much time, we can do a half hour, an hour, whatever you wish. If somehow without forcing it or, or being purely manipulative, because that's not good. But if you can offer suggestions that do lead to more face-to-face conversations, right. then the greater likelihood you have of her realizing that you're getting past being daddy, you're being past being controlling and that you honestly and truly can forgive her. Now, if you do that, I know it's kind of a weird thing, Kimberly, but we hear it all the time. People say, I couldn't stay there because she continued to look miserable all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, I'm the husband. I had the affair. We're past it, but she just miserable all the time. I can't go back home because I can't handle that because it makes me feel guilty. Mm-hmm. In this case, it sounds like the opposite. Like he, she's looking at him saying, I can't handle you looking miserable all the time. Right. Because that really does magnify the sense of guilt. Now, guilt's a good thing when it says something's wrong. Stop it. Guilt is really good when it comes to that. People should feel guilty when they're doing things wrong. The problem is when everything's supposedly straightened out and then you keep feeling guilty, now it's not helping. Mm -mm. It's hurting. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are we ever going to get past this? And so if you can take stock of yourself, I'm not asking you to walk on on pins and needles. Did I just mix a metaphor when I said that? (laughs) I'm not asking you to, to be so scared to say a word that you can't function because that won't work either. You've got to be able to be open and honest and human and real. Just be aware of the fact that you should not go see her if you're feeling sad and down because she's going to probably read that as, oh, my goodness, he's still hurt because of what I did. If you can make those meetings, if first of all, she'll agree. And again, that's that's what I would do. Like, wow, I'm happy to talk to you about this. But really, can we just do it face to face? Because right now I'm kind of tired of doing this, blah, blah, blah. And, And you meet her face to face. And if you can be just calm, you don't have to be exuberant. You don't have to act. Right. But at least don't come in there like you're depressed and miserable because of the fact that she still got this emotional connection with you. This is a possibility of, of planting the seeds to begin to gradually put this back together. Just don't expect it to happen that fast. That's right. My encouragement would be as you're working on your pies to, you know, physical is great. Spiritual is great. Absolutely. A lot of people when they're in this space, they still think mostly about the situation, their marriage, what their spouse is doing or not doing, and they're playing all these what ifs in their mind. My encouragement to you would be replace your thoughts with some other things, because the more you're ruminating about what's going on, the more you're going to be in that nervous space Mm -hmm. where you're, when you do see her, you are, you know, you look that way and all of those things. So get a hobby, go out with friends, do something to replace those thoughts and focus on other things. Your marriage isn't going to get any better by you just thinking about it. You have to do the things, which you're doing some of them. You're doing a lot of them. But keep doing the things that you need to do and focus your time and attention on other things as well so that this doesn't drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. 
Very good. And this is the first time we've ever done this. We're going to go to a third caller from Texas. This is the first time we've ever had three. We've ever talked to three callers in a row from the same state. But Texas is a big state. It's a big state. Okay. So we're going to Joe in Texas. Hi, Joe. How are you this afternoon? How are you doing? Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. How may we help you? Uh, My question is um, I've been separated for nine months. I was an unfaithful spouse. Um, and I've asked my wife to attend a couple weekend seminars to try to help with her healing, and she's mm-hmm. refused. Um, she's also said that she doesn't know whether she wants to work on restoring the marriage, although we have greater communication, which I'm optimistic about. But uh, my question is whether I should keep bugging her about attending any more seminars or just leave it up to her, because as far as I know, she has not... Uh, gotten any help other than when we attended a few uh, counselor meetings initially, and mm-hmm. um, I, I just want to help any way I can to help with their healing. Okay, a couple of quick questions, Joe. How long have you been married? Uh, 38 years. 38 years. Wow. Children? Uh, three older children. Okay, three and older. How, how old is the youngest? The youngest is 26. 26. You sound a lot younger than you are, young man, if you have fathered a child that old. Uh, congratulations. And when, and when did this affair occur? Um, occurred in, well, I was discovered in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could remember exactly how many years, because I don't remember exactly when it started, and I wish I could, because she's always asked me. And at least 10, at least 10 to 12 years. That I was so you were... In, in relationship with another person besides your wife for at least a decade. Had an affair at the office. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I didn't hear. Yes, I was having an affair at the office. At my office. Okay. Okay. Okay, so it was somebody you worked with and you were involved with her. Okay, so did the affair end in 2016 or did it end many, many years ago? No, so it ended in 2016 when my wife discovered me. Okay. I was not man okay. enough to admit it. All right. But as soon as you were discovered, you ended it, which meant that the emotional connection with your affair partner doesn't sound like it was that strong. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So mostly this was about excitement, sex, that kind of thing, as opposed to being madly in love with somebody else. Am I reading that correctly? That's correct, except she says that it should be it should have been more than that, but I can't make her understand that, and I understand that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have any grass to stand on. Yeah, I get that. When a person finds out that the spouse has been cheated, has been cheating, then sure, the first thing you think is, what what is there about her more than me? Why did you choose her over me? You must have been in love with her and not with me. You understand that that's what people go through. You've already said that, and you get that. So, how long have you been apart now? Uh, we've been apart nine months. She asked me to separate. Okay. In February, so it'll be nine months this month. Okay, so she found out in 2016, but she did not leave until 2019. Why? Why three no. years later? I, I left. She asked me to leave. I know, but but she asked for that to happen in 2019, correct? Uh, yes. So why she three years she, later? Why three years from needs, the time? I'm sorry, she go ahead. Said she, needs, she said she needs some space. Um, she, I, I'd been having some problems with pornography, and she said that she found some pictures uh, on my phone 
And all that I can recall was that I was trying to unsubscribe from um, different uh, sites. And I'm not too technologically inclined on that. But anyway, she said she found some pictures and uh, she wanted to separate and she wanted some time. And so I decided to separate. All right, I want to make sure I hear all this. So in 2016, she found out about the affair, but you guys stayed together. And then sometime late 2018, early 2019, somewhere in there, she found the porn, and it was like the final straw for her. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Now, I understand, and it's obviously it's a tough situation, a very tough situation. What specifically is the question other than, or is the question only, should I keep asking her? So I'm, and let me ask you this. What did she say? When you asked her about attending the workshop with us, what was her response? Just that she didn't want to. Okay. Because she, doesn't, because she doesn't want to be involved with you anymore. Is that correct? No, I think she's afraid of going through the whole process again and, and remembering everything again, just all the pain coming out again, mm-hmm. having to relive everything again. I can understand that. I mean, you can understand that too, right? Oh, certainly, yes, certainly. That's why I don't okay. want to push her. And so, but I don't want her to think that I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Are you divorced or just separated? No, just separated. Okay. Has she filed for divorce? No. Okay. Uh, Joe, here's my suggestion. First of all, don't feel bad about the fact that you asked her to come to the workshop. That's actually a good thing. But when you say don't bug her, we agree with that altogether. Don't bug her. But it doesn't mean that you would never ask about the workshop again. But I would recommend this. My, my suggestions or recommendations would be wait until you get to a time, and hopefully you do have some of those. If not, hopefully you will have some of those. When you get to a time when things are more relatively calm, when you're getting along with each other, when there's no other issue pushing at you guys, and then say, and and I would praise it in terms of what, what you're asking. Now, certainly understand her fears about, I don't want to relive all that stuff again. Um, the majority of our workshop, our workshop, and I'm assuming you're talking about ours, the majority of our workshop is not about affairs. We do talk about affairs. There's a section about it. But the majority of our workshop is about relationships in general, like all kinds of things. I'm not going to try to put it all in here in two minutes, but a lot of things discussed in our workshop. And so if you ask, and, and she's not sure that she ever wants to come back and live with you again, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't predicate it upon that. Like, let's go see if we can make this marriage work. If it were I, and I was asking a situation, asking my wife, and I were in the same situation as you, I'd be asking like this, you know, maybe we can figure out how to get along better. And I would love that because I still love and care about you. Also, I'd like to understand some of the things that I myself did. Like, you know, I, I try to be a good man, but obviously did a very bad thing. I'd like to understand how those kind of things happen. And I would love to have closure if we're not going to get back together. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you talk about all those kinds of things, and if she asks, okay, but but are they going to make me relive all this bad stuff? Then here's what you can say. You know, if you call them, you can ask them all about that. And and they'll be very honest with you. They'll tell you the truth about all that. And our folks will. If she calls here, they'll be honest with her. We don't want to cause her any more pain. We sure don't. We don't want to cause you any more pain. But there's no axiom which says that uh, until you ask, the answer is always no. <laughs> until you ask, the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. And you've had at least the courage to ask. So don't bug her. Wait until it's a better time. 
mm-hmm. whenever that might be, when it's calm and reasonable, then don't make a demand. I don't think you have, but don't make it a demand. Just simply say something to the effect. Here's what it can do for me. And would you at least talk to one of those folks on the phone so you can find out about it? Because I don't want you to have to relive all that stuff and feel bad again later. Now, they do talk about affairs in that three-day workshop. But they talk about a whole lot of things about relationships in that workshop. So many. Pardon? So many. So yeah, many. so many things about relationships. And if, and if you have a client representative here, and I'm assuming you do since you asked her to the workshop, ask. And if she prefers to talk to one of our women that work for us as client representatives, we have men and women. If she thinks she would trust a woman more, we can definitely get one of the women that work with us to talk to her on the phone and help her understand all these things. As a matter of fact, we can even put you with a client representative where that they uh, – in, in her marriage, her husband was the one who cheated, and and she will definitely understand what your wife is going through, those kinds of things. So we have people here that can help, and we'd love to help you if we possibly can. But we spent a lot of time in Texas today. <laughs> <laughs> we did spend a lot of time in Texas. We should have stopped by H-E-B, my favorite grocery store. Yeah, for those who are not from Texas, H-E-B is this awesome chain of grocery stores in the great state of Texas. Brisket, get some brisket. Mm-hmm. We're living here in Tennessee, and uh, mm-hmm. we don't have H-E-B. Nor good brisket. <laughs> we have a whole lot of videos and all kinds of topics that are on YouTube. And mm-hmm. if you go to a YouTube slash marriage helper, all one word, and particularly if you subscribe there, then you'll know every time we put new videos up. And we put videos up every week. And they're on all kinds of subjects, all kinds of subjects about relationships. And you can find those things there, and we'd love to have you subscribe. If you'd like to talk to one of our client representatives about anything we've said to see if maybe what we do would be a benefit to you and or your spouse, then you can call us at our toll-free number at 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. And our client representatives will help you in every way they can. That's not a hotline. They're not counselors. They're not therapists. They don't do that. They just listen to you enough to understand what it is that you're looking for. And then they can tell you if we have a service that can help you with that, or if we don't have a service that can help you with that, because we rest on the fact. As a matter of fact, we say it all the time. We're going to tell you the truth no matter what. Yes. (laughs) Amen. I agree. Okay. There are other things there. Yes. So just like Joe said, please contact us. You can visit us at marriagehelper.com to see more of our articles some things that you can get and be a part of there. We would love to have you be a part of our Marriage Helper community, whatever that looks like for you. If you've been considering joining the Save My Marriage course, then we are closing the doors for the last time for this year to get in on the weekly group calls that are going to happen which start tomorrow night. So you have until tomorrow to get in on this last final sprint of, of support calls that Dr. Beam and some of our team will be doing through the end of the year, walking you through that coursework, which is a great time for you to focus on the Save My Marriage course because holidays are stressful. So if you want to get involved with that, then we would love to have you be a part of that group. And just so you know, the Save My Marriage course is for the one spouse who wants mm-hmm. to save the marriage when the other doesn't. Right. We can guide you through a whole lot of things there to understand and to mm-hmm. do that increase the likelihood that you can save the marriage. Absolutely. So that's what the Save My Marriage course is. And so they find out about it how they go to. You can go to marriagehelper.com. You can give us a call again, 866-903-0990. But you can also find it on our website at marriagehelper.com. Until next Monday, thank you very much for being with us.